This is the ZMAR Podcast. Elite Benefits of America helps small and mid-sized companies with their health insurance programs. And now, your host, Butch ZMAR. Welcome back to the ZMAR Podcast. Today, I have in studio uh, Danny Edison from the South Side of Chicago. He is a inspiration youth hockey. He grew up playing hockey, played a high level, and definitely been around the world of hockey for a long time. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Can you give our audience a little background on the hockey world growing up in the South Side? Sure, sure. Um, so just from a hockey perspective, kind of... Sure. Well, where do we start? I, I started playing late. Um, six years old. <laughs> so in the world of hockey, it's a little late. Um, my dad was a Chicago policeman. He's a cop. Uh, we grew up on the South Side here in Beverly. I think his partner, yeah, I still remember uh, Roy Dioper was his partner. He had two two kids who I'm still buddies with as a result of, you know, hockey growing up together. Um, that's kind of the coolest thing about hockey is the network that you keep. Um, but he took me out to St. Spectrum, the old St. Spectrum, and I hated it and I didn't want to go out there. And finally, probably the last 15 minutes I went out there, I went on the ice and uh, it wasn't uh, as scary as I thought it was. And that was kind of all she wrote. Um, played at the Chicago Jets for a couple of years. And then I remember my first season. I still, it's, it's crazy, the memories, like how clear some of the things are. And then things that happen later in life, like, oh, my God, I can't remember any of that. It was a thousand years ago. Uh, but I, I remember the first hockey team um, coming away from the games, being thrilled if I actually touched the puck. I was so bad just jumping in with a bunch of kids who had been doing it for a while. I was stuck out. They played me on defense. And if I touched the puck, it was a big deal. So the next season, just one season later, things started uh, coming along. And then the two seasons after that, this is where things started to get a little bananas. Uh, somebody informed my dad that the best hockey team is in Glenview for mites. Might double X. We're still talking eight years old. And now my dad's driving me an hour each way from Beverly to Glenview, three, four or five times a week to play for um, legend, the Yoda of Chicagoland hockey, Wally Cormila, who actually passed away two days ago at age. He retired a week ago from the Deerfield Falcons. Wow. He's in his 90s and uh, he was the Yoda. So every year his team would win the state championship. And I, I, I remember I went to play up there. So then from there, we stayed there for four years, four state championships, and then the Team Illinois. Um, came back to the south side as we started to get a little bit older. Back then, there was only two AAA hockey clubs. It was the Young Americans and Team Illinois. The Young Americans' home rink was Lake Forest, a little far from Beverly. Uh, TI was in Franklin Park. So all these south side kids who were pretty good at hockey, because we had some really good coaching down here on the south side, were making these hour-long treks each way. And as you get older, you start to find other interests. And you're like, maybe there's other things that I could also be doing with my time. So um, we came back, we all kind of, all the kids got together, like, we can make our own team down here. We didn't have a triple-A um, uh, club to play with, but we came back to the Hawks for a couple of years, and then St. Jude, and it was just a, such a good group that we would go up there and play the Young Americans and beat them, and play Team Illinois and beat them, and fast forward all the way through, like, last year of Midgets, we went to Silver Sticks and Sarnia at AAA and won the whole darn thing against, like, you know, your Little Caesars and your London Sabres, and, uh, and we were all double rostered. I like, there's so many things that, uh, that I feel like used to be done the right way that are no longer that way, um, which includes double rostering, you know, so we'd have all these kids play, and, you know, we'd 
bunch of kids at Marist and a bunch of kids at Carmel and a bunch of kids at Lawrence and a bunch of kids at Rita. And uh, we'd all come together for, you know, St. Jude Midget team. And you got red helmets and you got chipped brown paint helmets and you got black helmets and, and blue helmets. Um, but we were all double rostered and we'd go ahead and win the state championship in club and uh, went to nationals twice. Um, um, but then all fall back and, and beat the snot out of each other in the Catholic League, you know, and nobody was worse to wear. It's just how it should be done now. And, and the sh it's a shame that uh, all these coaches are so greedy and selfish, you know, that they're saying, well, you can play for me. You, you know, you can't be on another roster. That's ridiculous. That should be a kid's call, not a coach's call. Sure. And, and it increased the amount of ice time, didn't it? Oh, my God. Yeah. And there weren't conflicts. We all knew up front. Listen, if there's a conflict, you're going to your high school. Uh, you know, if Fenwick's playing Rita tonight and we're playing the Northwest Chargers, we're not going to have any Fenwick or Rita kids. We know that. But, you know, if you put together the right the right group of players, you go in with eight. It's the right eight, mm -hmm. you know. And right. uh, we didn't have any practices, you know, very few. Mm -hmm. um, but it was it was those those are some of the best days, you know, um, the club hockey, the caliber wise. Right. Like, I mean, it was it was very similar. It's it's kind of a shame that what what's happened to do you all think, of that. Do you think that's changed some of the outcome of of hockey players advancing even to the college level, quality, or just the number of players getting to that level? No, I mean, I still th there's no one way to do it. There's no right way to get there. There's no wrong way to get there, and technology has enabled that so much that nobody's slipping through the cracks. You know, twenty thirty years ago, there's kids slipping through the cracks all over the place, right? Like to be a scout. Um, First of all, I'm, the word scout rubs me the wrong way. Sure, you know, sure. Nobody's scouting our age, the age groups of our boys right now. Nobody is scouting them, despite all of the BS. But some of the parents think that. Oh, a lot of the parents think that because, and you can't blame them because they're being told that. They're being told that by hockey directors and hockey coaches, you know. Um, hey, listen, you come play here and, you know, we're going to make sure that you're, you get out of here. If a kid's good enough, they're going to find him, period. I don't care if he's, even at AAA, like playing AAA for squirts and peewees and bantams. Here's the upside. The upside is you're going to be getting good coaching. You're going to be playing with better players uh, and you're going to be playing better competition. Um, but the reality is the best AAA midget hockey players which is when it becomes meaningful and ban them really. But at, you know, 14, 15, if that kid was playing double A at age 13, if he's good enough, they're going to find him. <laughs> you know, there's nobody slipping through the cracks anymore. Um, so it's, it's, there's, there's no correct route to go. If you're good enough to go play junior A and that's kind of the first, you know, the, 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 the first goal, just get into junior A, real junior A, USHL, maybe even NHL. Um, you know, if you're good enough to get there, there's you can go through high school. I can, there's there's loads of examples. You could also go through club. Um, it doesn't really matter. You know, where are you getting the best coaching? That's the question. And then you know, competition is one B. You know, um, that those are the things that matter. Sure. And now, um, throughout your youth hockey uh, career, so to speak, um, uh, you end up playing at Mount Carmel Southside School. Mount Carmel High School, back when <laughs> Mount Carmel was really good. It's kind of fallen off a little bit. 
Hey, but that's okay. Well, alumni, you got pride there, and uh, yeah, and they're you- coming back too. They're bouncing back. They've got uh, got an old teammate of mine, man in the ship, and Digger knows what he's doing. And uh, they had a rough year last year, and they're already bouncing back. So they got some real nice young talent, and I'm rooting for the entire Catholic League to bounce back because the Catholic League used to be very much at the top of Illinois State high school hockey, and. Uh, you know, it's kind of uh, it's kind of slipped. Um, you know, over the past twenty years, maybe even less than that. But is that because there was a big push towards AAA in the Chicagoland area and mm. an expansion of clubs? <clears throat> That's probably a factor. Yep, everything's so watered down right now. Um, you know, think I mean, think about what it, like I said a few minutes ago that there used to be two AAA teams. And they didn't always field that second team. For example, like all of my years, squirts, peewees, bantams, midgets, um, there was always, for each one of those years, there was a CYA team. But out of all those years, I think TI only fielded a team maybe two or three of those years. So now you're kind of talking about one AAA team, right? So that's only got how many roster spots. Therefore, how many double-A players in the state of Illinois are good enough to be playing triple-A? It was a ton. There was a lot. Now it's flipped. Now, how many kids with five triple-A teams, how many kids on those rosters aren't really triple-A players, right? They're not really triple-A players. Um, And as a result of that, you're plucking them out of double-A hockey. So now the the trickle-down effect starts, right? So now your best what the kids who should be playing double a hockey are gone. So now the double a players are kind of scooting up and then you got the central States versus the Nihil and the different leagues. How in the hell do you have a kid who is, let's just say 12 years old, 12 years old. And he's playing in this league over here and he's not literally not playing against the other best 12 year old hockey players in the state of Illinois because he's not in their league. They, they don't play against each other. So you're not even exposing him to where's the bar. Like, like back in the day, everybody who's 12 years old knows everybody in the state who's 12 years old and the really good hockey players like, okay, that's the bar. I'm playing against this kid who's the best and I need to you know, get up to that. Um, and you're very much aware of where the bar is. Now you can have kids. They don't even, see each other they don't even they're not even aware of where the bar is because now you've you're stuck in your little bubble um so i know what the bar is in my bubble but i don't know anything about you know it it just it makes zero sense and it's all if you ask me it's all about goes back to when adults figured out how to make money out of youth hockey Mm -hmm. and they've just been blowing it up ever since and, and parents are willing to uh, spend it. Number one, they're willing to spend it. Yeah, because, you know, we're going to got to spend money to get Johnny to the show. Um, but the real evil, it's I mean, they're almost victims, right? Because you expect a kid to have or you expect a parent to have blinders on about, you know, how good their kid is. The, the, the real evil is coming out of the people who are making $200,000 a year off of youth hockey, right? Like that's, that's not necessary. They're not making it better. If you're making two, if you're making a bunch of money, but the product that you're working on is being improved and it's a better product, then 
be compensated. But they're actually they're actually making it worse. And uh, uh, hopefully it'll change. But um, it seems like hockey is going to um, has been growing in the south suburbs. I didn't grow up playing hockey, but it seems that it's always just growing thing. And then hopefully with Chicago, hopefully winning some more hockey games um, here in the next season with uh, some new blood in there, and uh, maybe we'll get, uh, inspire some growth uh, in the youth hockey program. Uh, you made a comment, maybe not, I'm not going to quote word for word because I don't remember it, but uh, you had made um, a comment that some of your best memories of youth hockey um, was in the high school years, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, and so it's about those connections, right, and the fun activities. And um, can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Because I, th- I think, like, uh, my, obviously my son's in that situation where um, they're playing club and, and like, well, where do you go for high school, right? And yeah. so well, what are your, some of your thoughts and memories on that? Let me think about how I used to view it back then, right? So, I mean, we're talking about double rostering, right? So we have the best of both worlds, which is being robbed from... It, it exists, right? It's a coach's decision. It's not a, 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 a league mandate or a high mandate. So I know that there's kids on the Jets that are double rostering with Maris, for example. Good for them. That's great. Um, I think club might have been a little bit more consistent, Whereas if you're playing one of the bottom teams, um, it may have been a little bit higher than the bottom teams in high school, if I could remember right. So close to something like that, you know, like it was it was it felt like maybe a little bit more consistency within the league of clubs competition wise. Right. OK. But how meaningful is that? Because when you're with a good high school, playing a good high school, it's just as good. It was the same players. You know, it was the same hockey players like like we had a rivalry against the Northwest Chargers every year. That cluster of kids who are still friends with and still come out to my golf outing. Joey Colson and Sean Barrett and Buddy Wallace and all these great hockey players who went on to play Division One hockey. Um, they also played for friend. Right. So we'd play them the uh, Jude against the Chargers for state. And then the next night we're playing them in the state semifinals for high school friend against Carmel. Like that actually happened. It was wild. Um, But those high school games were so much more rowdy. Um, And then when you look up in the stands for Kennedy Cup championship and, you know, you've got thousands of screaming kids from not only the two high schools involved, but the other high schools surrounding the area. um, It was just a totally different event Um, because, I mean, let's face it, club hockey, who's in the stands? Mom, dad, maybe some kids got a girlfriend. I mean, that's it. (laughs) You know, a couple of little brothers, you know, playing shinny in the in in the lobby. That's it. Uh, um, But high school was completely different because now you've got, you know, you've got hundreds of kids chanting the opposing goalie's last name and, you know, scuffles in the in the parking lot. And all, I could tell you all kinds of stories from back in the day. <laughs> well, at least it was, a, it was a lot of fun. And obviously the connections, right? You're still and we'll get to the golf outing here, here in a moment. Uh, but obviously you went on to play juniors and then you end up playing for ISU. Uh, which uh, just awarded you Hall of Fame um, for that era yeah, that, that was, was there. Fun. Yeah, and so talk about a little bit of your college years when you finally got there. Yeah, well, I mean, backing up because you just you just mentioned the um, the network. Yeah. Like, here's the here's the the cold hard truth. Like, and and I realized later like how much sacrifice my dad, my parents made um, time wise, financially. Right again, like my dad was a cop and my mom didn't work and mm-hmm. i remember it cost you had to go through four tolls if you're going to take the tollway from beverly to glenview 
four tolls, and back then they were 30 cents a piece. 30, 60, 90, 120, and then double that for the way home, $2.40. There were times that we couldn't take the toll road because we didn't have that money. Oh, wow. You know, kind of, yeah, it's, it's kind of... I get a little emotional thinking about it because I didn't realize anything like that. I was like, what the hell? You don't have a couple of bucks? But that was a big deal. Um, and then I realized later, much later, that what the investment is, and the sa- it's the same investment that we're giving to our kids right now. Listen, if somebody breaks through and goes and gets college paid for, that's phenomenal. Um you know, if one or two kids out of everybody that we know of actually play a few games in the NHL, that's phenomenal, right? The potential of somebody actually getting a career out of the NHL, like, it's a possibility, but it ain't going to happen very much. The, the reality is the investment goes towards the network, right? Like, I can't tell you how many jobs I've gotten, how many meetings people have taken, me being in sales, how many meetings people have taken because they're part of the hockey community. Um, my first you know, big kid job, my first real job was a career builder. I was coaching the CMO's son. He said, why don't you come over to career builder? You know? And from there, um, it's, it's happened you know, multiple times. But just being a part of that hockey community like opens doors. It really, really does. And... Um, aside from that, the number of, so we talk about the, the South side, right? Like everybody, by the time I was, you know, in high school, um, all my friends on the South side, they knew everybody in the South side because everybody in the South side knows everybody from the South side. That's fantastic. But I had all of these friends in, you know, on the North side and Glenview and Addison and Hinsdale and, you know, and it was because of hockey and the connection is so deep, especially Anybody, anybody that I was ever on a team with, anybody that I was ever on a team with, there's something that is permanent, right? Like you were in the trenches together when you were a peewee, right. you know, when you were 11. And it sounds weird right. probably to anybody listening to this, but, you know, you take go back to the golf outing. Like there's people there that haven't seen each other in 25 years and they literally just pick up right where they left off. Um, and it's not on a, you know, weird, awkward level. It's on a, holy shit, do you remember when me and you were, you know, doing this thing at this tournament in, you know, Detroit or whatever that it was? And that is the value, but no, we don't know it now. You know, the parents don't know it now. You realize it later that, you know, I know I'm lucky enough to know people not just all over Chicagoland and then be one person removed from anybody you meet. Right. Like, hey, how you doing? Where are you from? Um, you know, Palatine. Oh, then you must know so and so, you know, and, and that always you know helps in social situations. But then it becomes national, too. So now this, you know, whether it's people in Cleveland, Detroit, Minnesota, Boston, whatever, you know, uh, it's you're now you're, you know, one person removed from, you know, all of these places, too. And you, it's it's just uh, it's just turned into really neat and, and the source of you know, where I, I, the source of knowing, you know, it's the expansion of the, the community, right? Like there's a huge difference between being a part of this hockey community and not being a part of it. And the difference is literally, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of connections, mm-hmm. you know, and they're meaningful connections, right? Like that's the difference between baseball and basketball and football. Everybody plays baseball. Everybody plays basketball. So it's so big that it's really not a club, mm-hmm. you know, um, there's really no barrier to entry. 
Mm-hmm. You know, where in hockey, it's really it's still big, but it's just small enough where it's almost unique to bump into somebody randomly. You know, who's a who's a hockey player. So. Um, when you do that, let's just say that you're, I don't know, at the resort in Mexico. I don't know, whatever it is. And you pull up to the bar and, you know, somebody talks about hockey. There's an instant connection there, you know, or if it's two basketball players, they might talk about the NBA for a minute, you know, but everybody, everybody's in that club. And, and this one just, it's just small enough that there are certain barriers to entry. And then there's a couple of qualifying questions, yes, right? Right, right, yes. <laughs> there's always a couple of qualifying. Okay, you're, you're a hockey person. What, at what level are we talking here? And I don't mean playing level. I just mean like, you know, um, you know how, how invested are you? Sure. And then, um, you know, once you kind of uh, vet that out, all of a sudden there's a connection where it's like, it's almost like you go way back with this person. It's really, it's really unique. And I'm, uh, and I could voice that as well. I grew up in the scuba world, and, um, and so a lot of hockey players that might be listening to this, I was in the scuba side, started young, and um, thousands of dives, met many people all over the globe. And uh, even just like you said, like one person removed, I was, I was probably not one person removed, it was probably two or three from some of the, the world leaders of um, scuba at one point, right? And so, but when you meet somebody with scuba, it's like your, your basketball story, right? You're like, oh, where have you gone? This and that. And yeah. all of a sudden it fizzles out at some point, but it's cool to have a connection. Right? Yes. But even I've never played the game until now because of my boys play and then being involved in hockey so much. Um, since that's all occurred, that hockey connection has definitely been a lot stronger than the scuba. You would show up at, it could be a random meeting, like completely yeah. unplanned coffee. It could be a coffee shop, right? <laughs> uh, like you said, at the bar in Mexico, um, but it could also be a business meeting. And all of a sudden, somehow, some way hockey comes up and they're like, oh, you know about hockey. Like, it's almost like this inside club. And, and they're like, uh, I was at one meeting, uh, it was up North. I don't remember. And this guy starts telling me and his kid played high level of basketball. And so... We were trying to, he got screwed by the national basketball place. I'm not going to mention it yet. So about health insurance. So he's like, I need a fix for this because he got screwed in many ways. And that's a whole nother topic. And so we put him on an insurance program and all of a sudden hockey came up and he goes, hey, come here. And he walks me down this hall, right? We're in a business office and he walks down the hall and I meet this guy and he uh, he actually looked like he, it was like ten o'clock, eleven o'clock, and he looked like he just rolled in. And uh, and so we started uh, talking. Well, he just rolled in because he had a beer league game, oh. and he didn't get home until like two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I sat in his office for like the next forty five minutes, uh, and all we did was talk about hockey and the connections. And we actually knew mutual people, and I never played the game. And so that's how connected the hockey world is, and and the network and. Um, and sure, I probably financially benefit from some of those connections, but uh, but more so, it's the relationships. Like I could call some of those people now, and they like know me on a first name basis, yeah. even though we have no business connections, we have no other social involvement except for the word hockey. Yeah, well, and it translates too because like being in sales for you know all of these years, um, you have to go you know, figure out, uh, you have to go farm your leads, right? So one of the tools that, that I spend probably the most time on is LinkedIn. And then you do a LinkedIn search, you know, what kind of companies you're looking for, you know, what kind of job titles you're looking for. And then I go ahead and I'll keyword hockey. Mm-hmm. And a LinkedIn search, right? So if I find somebody, if I'm looking, let's just say, um, who am I calling on? I don't know, Kraft, yeah. right? And somebody in marketing at Kraft, right? So now that's two keywords. Somebody in marketing at Kraft who has hockey anywhere in their LinkedIn page, 
boom, home run. Yes. Right? It's a big connection. Yeah. So now I'm reaching out with a little bit of relevance. Who uh, at craft and marketing at 1030 a.m. on a Tuesday um, is, you know, wants to reply to some lowly sales guy who's a dime a dozen versus, oh, this dude actually wants to talk about hockey for a minute. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah I could use a little break. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's oh, it's yeah. just completely different and totally effective. Totally. Yeah. And and it's interesting you bring that because I've used um, LinkedIn searches and I put the word scuba because that's a background and connection of mine. But yeah, the, it's too broad. Right. Like and, and they're like, oh, yeah, I went scuba diving in Mexico one time. Yeah. And then you're all of catching a, sudden, a lot of people. Yes, who, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then like me. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, I know everything about scuba. Yeah. And then, that's <laughs> when you said you, you ask qualifying, a qualifying questions and you're like, oh, OK. But even in the hockey world, I'll ask a couple qualifying questions or and they're like, yeah, I used to play hockey. Oh, yeah. Yeah, where'd you play and all this stuff? And I find out that he, they quit hockey before age of 10. <laughs> yeah, and, and you're like, still. I'm like, okay, all right. That's cool that you played, right? At least you were on a, can, do you still skate now? No, I haven't skated since then. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and not that there's anything wrong no, with that, nothing. but it, it just kind of like, okay, it yeah. rolls out the conversation and the connection uh, to a different uh, different avenue. You put it in a different bucket. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> because some of those connections may come to tuition at some point too, but, uh, but, and then, of course, one, as soon as they find out that you played hockey, they try to like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I played hockey or my cousin played hockey. And then you find out after a couple qualifying questions that ends up going a different direction. Yeah. 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 I know yeah. exactly what you mean. Listen up. Butch wants to give you your own elite benefits playbook. And it's absolutely free. From business strategy to benefits strategy. Every step from the start through implementation, account setup, and open enrollment working through service requests and the process of renewals. A valuable look at your company, your insurance options, and how to make the process easier on you. Go now to EliteBenefits.net slash playbook and get your free Elite Benefits playbook or give Butch a call today, 708-535-3006. Yeah, so so back to um, yeah, your stint at ISU with uh, college hockey. So uh, Yeah, so, um, boy. So when I left Carmel, um, I was lucky enough that I got drafted into the North American Hockey League. Uh, Lakeland Jets, now defunct. I don't know. They became Danville, and then they became something else. I don't know which franchise they are now. Um, I was at a place where I was making some poor decisions. Um, so, and I was also becoming too cool and, uh, you mix those things. Um, and then all of a sudden I said, Oh, hockey's hockey's stupid. Hockey's not important to me. What am I going to do here? You know, I was seeing concerts and, and stuff like that. Um, (laughs) and, uh, I remember being at a fish concert um, I played the whole season, uh, the first season, and then trying to contemplate whether I was going to go back uh, to Detroit for the second year. And I decided that, uh, you know, I didn't agree with the coach and all these things that later it was like, what the hell were you doing? <laughs> I, needed, I, I was a kid who needed some guidance, apparently. Um, but uh, long and short of it is I was at, so that first semester of school, I wasn't doing anything. I was just, you know, I didn't go back to Detroit um, trying to figure out what I'm going to do. Okay, I'm going to go to school. Where am I going to go to school? Okay, well, I got into Illinois State University. I'll go there. And uh, I ran into 
a kid from Hinsdale who oh. had played a, a lot of hockey against at this fish concert. I forget where it was. And uh, uh, Dougie's like, hey, Addison, what are you doing? What the... I'm like, oh, yeah, nothing. I'm just going to go to ISU. I go to ISU. Are you going to play hockey? Oh, you guys got a hockey team? Sure. I'll play. <laughs> you had That's no idea. That's how it happened. Yeah. I was done with hockey, you know. Um, what, would, what did I move to? Nothing. <laughs> right? So, um, and then, so we jump on in the middle of the season. And uh, we ended up going to nationals. Um, it was fantastic. A couple of years there. And I made some of my best buddies. There again, a uh, good handful of guys who, you know, I still stay in touch with, and um, you know, we one, one of my buddies, Matt Haller, we actually lost a, a couple of years back, but uh, there was a group of us who still remain super close, like brothers, um, and we were all. It was a blessing because, yeah, the uh, the the Hall of Fame thing happened last uh, last weekend or the weekend before, and we all got together for the first time in a long time, and it was just awesome, man. It was like. It was like picking up right where you left off, but this time everybody was you know, looked old and had gray hair, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Sure. Um, but uh, yeah, that's how I wound up at ISU as a two-year run, and then um, I kind of grew up during that time, and uh, you know, cut my hair and said, uh, you know, I used to be I used to be pretty decent at this game. Let's uh, I'd hate to. You know, fast forward 10 years from now and think about, uh, you know, what could have been. Right, right. <laughs> you know? right. So um, I was actually my buddy Farachi, one of these guys from ISU. He's like, what the hell are you doing here? Get the hell out of here. <laughs> right. So I went to uh, spent the summer instead of coming home on the, on the south side um, and kind of regrouping with. You know, all of the people who had the same habits as I did. I went and spent the summer up in Brainerd, Minnesota at Minnesota Hockey Camps as a instructor, puck pusher for those guys, because that's the real deal. Um, for example, like Joe Thornton was had just been drafted. Oh, wow. And uh, Mike, all of Mike Barnett, Mike Barnett's Gretzky's agent. Yeah, yeah. So all of his first two rounders um, were had to go to Minnesota Hockey Camp and spend the summer there. And all of these, you know, you look around and, and all of these... Uh, you know, real well-known hockey people. Um, so it was the right place for me to be for all of those weeks, you know, getting getting healthy and doing the right things. And then I went to a free agency camp in Mississauga, um, got picked up by a team in the Western Pro League. And, well, no, the first it was a Central Hockey League, Fort Worth Fire. Um, and then uh, to the Western Pro League, uh, and Abilene, Abilene Aviators. And not that I really made made my mark or even these teams, but I got to spend a couple of seasons there and uh, one and a half. And um, because our the team that I was with in Abilene uh, ran out of money halfway through. So that was the end of it. Instead of moving on, um, what it gave me was the opportunity to say, holy shit, these guys are good. Mm-hmm. So when I arrived at Abilene, I never played a game. Of a twenty-man roster, and didn't help that I was on a team that went twenty-six and zero before they lost a the game. Out of our twenty-man roster, thirteen guys had already scored a goal in the NHL. Oh wow! <laughs> you know? right. got guys like uh, Patrick Waugh's little brother Stefan, who's a second-round draft pick. You had Charlie Poulin, who was a, a I think he was a first-round draft pick for the Montreal Canadiens. Might have been second round. Um, You've got Eric Brule, whose first NHL goal was assisted by Trottier and Mario. You've, you know, the story goes, it goes on and on. And 
Butch, you get to a place where I remember we were in Texas, right? And it was an expansion team. And the ownership was uh, big cowboy hat oil people, you know? I still remember them coming to the locker room for the first game. He's like, I'll bring them out for the first game. But you want them to come back, they're going to need to be a lot of fighting. (laughs) (laughs) And we did. We had Alan May, who was like an all-time PIMS leader for the Washington Capitals. Um, I mean, it was was sick, the the roster. Um, But... My point for bringing up the ownership is he had a big family and they were awesome and they were really warm, took care of us and all these wonderful things. And then I'd be practicing with this team on a daily basis and they'd come out and I got to know them because, you know, maybe I wasn't traveling with the team. So when the team's gone, I'm like at their ranch, you know, so they get to know, get to know the ownership and they'd come to practice and say, what the hell? It doesn't make sense. Why aren't you playing? Like, it doesn't make sense. Like you look good. I'm like, the point is that like, might look good to the naked eye, but me and everybody else on the ice, everybody clearly understands the pecking order. Yeah, sure, <laughs> I'm sure. out there wrecking drills. Yes. You know, like there, you get to a point where as this pyramid goes up and up and up, you get to a place where it's just like, these guys are so freaking good. Like a, a good hockey player, I could do, back then i could do the things that they do but i need an extra second i need i need more time i need more space to do it i need more tries to do it where these people are just getting pucks and just snapping them around 10 out of 10 times and putting you know picking the corner that it's just it's just a different level um but it's hard to see because it's minute it's really it's really a small difference but when that small difference becomes consistent and it happens every single time then it becomes huge Mm -hmm. you know and that gave me the peace of mind like okay i'm going home i'm gonna resume my (laughs) life for the for the sole reason that i am just not good enough (laughs) you know so that's when i went back to school and i graduated was it hard was it hard to make that decision though was it like it, it, the decision was made for you? Oh, okay. <laughs> you but, but did you feel crushed at the time, or was it kind of just the rite of passage, kind of just the way it, you knew it was coming? The writing was no, on the wall. Yeah, I can't say that I was crushed. I mean, a, a different outcome would have been preferred for sure. Um, but it wasn't crushed. It was just like, hey, this is now you're certain. Now you know. So you know, back when you were you know 16 and 17, and you thought you were a big shot. Yeah. Well, you know, big shot, little pond. Yes. You know, big pond not a big shot yeah. you know it's just it's it's uh more than anything i would just say it increased my respect for the people who do it you know because you watch an nhl game right now it's almost like if you're watching an nhl game versus like a junior a game or even a college game these guys in college and junior a they just pumping they're just back checking so hard you can see how hard they're skating junior a everybody every shift they're trying to you know make a team or just make a difference and every shift is so meaningful and you see all the work all the hard work and all the extra effort and then you turn on an nhl game and it just looks smoother and easier they're not working any less you know they're just better so you know i gotta work harder at the lower levels because the pass wasn't right on my tape you know um you, you there's just there's more scratching and clawing where these guys at the nhl every pass is right on the tape just look for that break it down just look like where are these passes anybody passing in anybody's skates is anybody passing um on somebody's backhand when they should have passed it on their forehand like all of these little finite things that you might not notice until you know what you're looking for or until you take the time to look for them it makes the difference and it just makes it look like it's really easy it is not they're just that freaking good Mm -hmm. you know yeah it's a good point and uh you pointed out coaching some of the kids um have purpose right 
and and putting in tape to tape is definitely a purpose, right? Uh, you know, we're we're working on the power play, and before you guys kind of, I, I'm just having them work the perimeter, work the perimeter, work the perimeter. But every pass, like if you've got pressure and you put a pass that's not on somebody's tape, all right, I'm I might be a little bit more lenient on you. If there's no pressure on you and you don't put it on the player's tape, it's a bad play. It's a yeah. dumb play, and it's yeah. because you weren't focused. Right. Because you can put the puck at 14, 15, 16, 17 years old. You can put the puck any, anywhere you want. So when you don't do it, it's because you didn't you're not focused. Right. So, um, yeah, we were, we were talking about that last night. Um, have purpose with everything that you do, you know, and when you put the puck on somebody's stick, you've just bought your teammate an extra half a second. You know, because if I have to look down and get this puck where I want it and yep. kick it up to myself, boom, that's an extra half a second. And in a game where everything there's nothing more important than creating time and space like that's meaningful because that extra half a second. Now I'm forced to make a decision quicker. So it's less likely that it's going to be the right decision. And definitely with purpose, uh, which leads into uh, one of the other topics I want to talk about and just just fast forward in life to more current. But. Uh, you created a company that has, you have a passion for products, but it has, has a purpose, right? There's a hidden, uh, not even hidden, right? You make it very well known yeah. that uh, there's a purpose behind this company. Uh, can you give us a, a, a little background on how you came up with Toe Drag, maybe a little bit about the socks and then and then the purpose behind it all? Yeah, yeah. So Toe Drag Apparel, This this how, how we came up with it is... Uh, the effects of probably burning out at work and driving home in traffic on a Friday afternoon, asking myself, what did I do today? And when the answer was, I convinced a million people to go order pizza. <laughs> I said, what am I doing? Um, I think I always wanted to start my own company and operate my own company. I think that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm one of those guys who wasn't smart enough to just do it right out of the gate. I needed to gain some experience before that was going to happen. And then, you know, at some point you, you start rolling into, um, you know, maybe some some bosses who you're just there's a, there's a place where you start your career. You're learning every day and everybody in your company who's been there longer than you, you're learning from in every conversation. And then you get to a piece where it's like you're rolling up to people who are like, really, that's your that's your answer? Like, there's other ways to do right, this, right? right? So you just, you kind of, it's natural, right? And with experience and, and you know, if you're, if you're learning the game, you get to that point and, and then it becomes less exciting because part of the excitement is learning every day, right? And doing new things. Um, so, you know, I started to experience burnout. I pulled my car over on the side of the road. I Googled, how do you make a sock? Wow. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. It, it seems random. So what was the idea? Uh, how did you come up with socks? Well, I just figured that um, I thought I was going to start a socks company. So this is back when everybody was still wearing suits and ties to work. Um, and you're wearing your suit and tie, your monkey suit. And I identified socks as the last place where people could um, express their, you know, originality, their character, right? Is people started wearing these funky socks. And granted, it was people in their 20s and 30s only. Um, but as those people got older now, then all of a sudden, because yeah, everybody used to wear black socks yes. or brown socks mm -hmm. or white socks. Mm -hmm. And then when the guys in their 20s are wearing these funky socks, the guys in their 30s and 40s are still wearing the black socks and the brown socks. And slowly you saw that age climb. Do you know anybody who wears white socks and brown socks and black socks exclusively anymore? No. No. Like those, that, those days are are gone and once you transition into the funky socks the one thing i know is you ain't going back right yeah, yeah. you're not going back like you're you're in for keeps mm -hmm. so i figured that i was going to be starting a um adult 
socks brand and it was going to be hockey and i wasn't opposed to doing breaking into other communities but it was going to be just like what we talked about right like if i'm in a job interview and i'm in my monkey suit and the guy you know holding the job sees my funky hockey socks and says are you a hockey player like yeah <laughs> so like you identify you know, other people in your tribe through the socks right and it could be scuba diving socks and it could be you know even soccer socks or whatever it is um since then i've had requests for all kinds of different socks like the linemen the guys who work up on the um the heavy electric lines like hey can you make a here's our here's our international linesman logo can you turn this into a sock like they've got their own club you know um so that's kind of what the original idea was. And I came back with, well, when I Googled how do you make a sock, the response was, for, well, first you need a graphic designer. I said, shit, okay. Yeah. So I Googled graphic designers near me. <laughs> you know? And I get all these results back. And here's um, an interesting thing. I must have left 12 voicemails. This is on a Friday afternoon. And out of those 12 voicemails, only one person got back to me. Uh, her name's Vicky, and she still gets all of my graphic design work right now. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, but I was like, really? <laughs> you know, yeah, right. So we're in this business world, and everybody's complaining about, I need more business, I need more business. I left 12 voicemails and got one call back. Uh, with Vicky's help, we made four or five different samples. And the shinny skin socks, the, what we went with, right, the sock that exists today, um, I was like, this is horrible. Like, this is by far the ugliest of all these socks. And because all these other socks were like, they're actually going to work with adults. Right. Maybe, you know, in my mind. Right. right? And then you get this one sock that looks like a cartoon skate, you know. And um, and it was Vicky. She's like, are you nuts? She's like, this is, she holds it up. She's like, this is your entire business. Yeah. I'm like, I don't see it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but then that was the that we I forget which team were you were were we coaching together at this point when I, I gifted them to the team um, at the end of the season, like the very first batch you, that ever existed. Gonna, oh, maybe not. Well, you've gifted several, so I don't know if it was the first batch or not. But all of a sudden, these kids are like wearing them like I gave them away yesterday and they wear them the next day and then the next day and the next day. I'm like, maybe Vicky's on to something. Sure. Mm -hmm. So then I went down to a club I used to coach at, the Hawks, and I made their shinny skids and it was the same feedback, right? Like I got a complaint. The first complaint that I had from a mom and she said, you know what? Um, there's a hole in Travis's sock. I'm like, oh, shit, sorry. Here, I'm going to give you another pair. I'm like, you know, how long has he had them? It's like he's had him a year and he wears them every day. <laughs> like, right. 365 years. <laughs> Wise ass. Here you go. So it were kind of a hit. And then we did the Vikings, um, a run of them, and had the same feedback uh, early on. And then I was like, kind of like, okay, you know, maybe, maybe this is something. And uh, next thing you know, we shipped to 24 different countries. And the, the mission is, like you said, it's the Chicago Diabetes Project. Um, Toe drag is really the the whole basis of it is just a platform to do stuff mm -hmm. um, for you know in the guise of hockey, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but for the Chicago Diabetes Project, and it hasn't grown yet into what I the, the I want it to continue to grow so that I could give more to CDP, right? Um, and you know, so there's 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 two facets to it. That's that's the underlying truth and reason. Um, but at the same time, like, it is really cool 
to just have something where it's like, huh, I just got an idea for a new hockey product. Oh, let's go make it. Right. <laughs> you know, like I'm not talking about gear and equipment and, and, and stuff like that. That, you know, but you go but sure anything now. apparel, yeah. um, let's go make it. Yeah. You know, I know I know where to go. I know, you know, what factory does this, what factory does that. And I have relationships there and we kick out stuff all the time and it's just fun. And then we get calls from, you know, all over the country like, you know, because they don't know that we're little. They, yeah, right. You know, you, yeah. you give the impression that you want yeah, to, sure. to some people. And well, I mean, but there's some truth to it, too. We just did um, uh, game jerseys for multiple teams in the Federal Hockey League. That's a pro hockey league, right? We got the contract for this new um, Northeastern Hockey League, which is this is going to be their inaugural season. Um so we have definitely the ability to take care of all these people, but it's really neat when you get a call from, you know, Minnesota or, or New Hampshire saying, hey, you guys, I uh, saw you guys on Instagram and uh, we need jerseys. Sure, let's go. We'll take care of you for, for certain. Yeah. Um, so it's just slowly but surely growing. Haven't really sunk a lot of ad dollars into it. I'd like to at some point. Um, but like I said, like the two times that, that I tried to go full time with it, mm-hmm. it's like there's a difference between... You know, having a job and, and toe drag feeling like it's doing well right. is a difference in that and then moving and using every profit to feed the family, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to putting it back into the company. Sure. It kind of stunts the growth, right? Sure. Like operating sure. capital, it turns out that it's pretty important. Sure. Um, yeah. So but, but toe drag has that purpose, though. I mean, part of it is just the, the give back to um, Chicago Diabetes Project. That's it. It's, it's, that's, it's a platform to do that. And, uh, and I've made some really, really awesome, um, you know, connections and relationships, too. And I mean, look at Dunks, for example. Mm-hmm. Dunks, who, you know... Um, you know, lives and breathes toe drag with me. You know, my my, my partner on it. You know him, and yep. he's unbelievable. And I would never have known him if it wasn't for toe drag. Um, and um, you know, it's just another another friendship, and um, it's just expands that network and and uh, creates more and more opportunity. And hopefully, um, we'll take that opportunity and kind of put it back to center and and be able to lift up Chicago Diabetes Project. Um, you know, more and more over time as we grow. And then, you know, CDP, the things that they're doing simultaneously, just unbelievable headway, um, you know, just inches, inches, put it this way, red tape away from the cure to type one diabetes. Um, and uh, it's just incentivizes me more and more to be like, okay, this is the right horse to bet on to, you know, help my son and all these other hockey players. It's pretty, I mean, not only my son, Matthew, but to have two more type ones on our team yeah. for the, like, yeah. crazy coincidence, you know? Um, <laughs> I had the Dexcom with three different kids. Uh, yes, numbers, yes. You know, so any opposing parents are like, this coach is an asshole. He's just looking at his phone the whole game. <laughs> like, and all you're looking at is numbers. I'm looking at, yeah, I'm looking at blood sugar. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, I mean, that's obviously in the hockey world, it's pretty big. There's even another group that puts the hockey players on the ice. Um, all the type one, you can only get in if you're a type one. And they have this big camp yeah. down in Florida. And I think that's fantastic yeah. uh, because now you're taking people, uh, kids that are growing up and dealing with this and yeah. put them in a room and say, I'm dealing with it. Yeah. And so, uh, but part of the, you know, toe drags helping fun, uh, putting money towards um, Chicago Diabetes Project. And then every year you run a golf outing. Um, yeah. And, and that's yeah. kind of where we get to make a little contribution. You know, the, the awareness is terrific. 
Um, and then the golf outing um, creates a little bit of money. Um, and it's just so I think with this was going to be our ninth annual. I don't know. It certainly started small, maybe a dozen dozen people. Sure. Um, but it is uh, it's terrific because maybe a hundred hockey players or hockey coaches or just people from the hockey community and, you know, um, and wives and we get a lot of women out there. Um, but it's another perfect example of, you know, I tried, I've tried over time, we've moved the course around a little bit, but it really needs to be halfway because it's not just the South side hockey players that we know and see. It's the people coming down from, you know, the Northern suburbs too, that we used to know and see. You know, and uh, and it's so there's nothing cooler than seeing, you know, a couple of people who, are, you know, reconnect over a beer, haven't seen each other, like I said, since Pee Wees or Bantams, sure, and pick up right where they left off and have the entire day ahead of them to golf in the sun yeah. with, you know, cold beers, good food and just shooting the breeze. It's really such a good day. Uh, and it's grown year over year. Um, always looking for more and more sponsors. I've got a vision for this thing, which I don't even—I I don't even know if I should share it because it puts me at risk in case it never really happens. Um, but you know, the vision starts with uh, nuts to bolts. You know, at one of these years, there's gonna, as we kick off, which is a great moment for the outing. You know, and this year everybody had their little airplane bottle of of Pink Whitney. As everybody's toasting that, one of these years. A limo is going to pull up behind all the golf carts, and Jim Cornelison is going to come out and kick us off properly. Well, well, maybe he'll hear this and uh, get the message, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're working on it. Yeah. And now uh, we may not have this edited and produced in time, but uh, you're um, part of a fundraising event. You're running the Chicago Marathon. Oh my God! Yeah. Yeah, and. Uh, uh, I guess the big question is, are you ready for it? No, of course not. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> not. Am I ready it, for a marathon? I've, 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 I've been training for it. Um, yeah, training itself is difficult. <laughs> um, we'll see how this goes. I don't I don't intend to quit. The goal is to finish. Yes. And, and is it this weekend or next weekend? It's this Sunday. Yeah, this Sunday. <laughs> yeah, so, so I'm going to do a long run later today and then probably shut it down for tomorrow and Saturday. And then uh, off we go. The furthest I've ever run, I, I know that I've done a few 10 miles down at Soldier Field, but I feel like I did a 13 at some point. Mm -hmm. um, but even at 13, you're only halfway home. You'll, you'll, you'll make it through it. Uh, and obviously, you're running it to raise money for the Chicago, Chicago Diabetes, Diabetes Project. Project. So yeah. there's your purpose uh, for sure. But uh, And everybody's got a wall. Hopefully, it's not 13 miles. Hopefully, it's a little closer to 20 because then it gives you a little hope and inspiration. You're almost at 26. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, we'll see how this goes. I'm a little nervous about it. Um, but, you know, it's uh, as long as I don't die, uh, it'll be good. And <laughs> if I finish, uh, it'll be great. That's the plan. I shouldn't say if. I'm not thinking that way. I'm thinking that I'm going to finish it. Um, but that would be... Uh, you know, that would be two wins. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I never got to run it. Uh, obviously, I'm a, uh, I used to yeah, be a runner. Yeah, it'd be runner. easy yeah, for you. Yeah, you yeah, knock I, it out this afternoon. I don't know. Maybe. It's, I've been a little out of the swing, but 50 miles, I guess, is double that. But but I was going to do it one year. It was the year of COVID, raise some money for the Chicago mm. Diabetes Project, and then they shut it down. I remember that. Yeah, and I uh, never got um, out there um, to do it, but um, maybe one day. But I guess I've heard that the Chicago Marathon has uh, eight stations like every mile, um, and I think that's 
great and i think that'll help keep you motivated uh whereas when i did the 50 miles every six to seven miles oh man yeah, yeah. so, so something goes haywire you are on your own yeah for sure but uh you know one thing uh because i've also not finished the 50 mile uh, i finished and not finished and so um as long as you keep moving it just uh, eventually it's going to come to an end right and so at least that's the theory and i think um the path and uh the map that i was looking at uh, from that year that i was going to do it yeah. it's a good map and i think it's all flat and I, so i I wish you a lot of success with it and then obviously the fundraising behind it too and um, keep the purpose up. I think uh, it's a lot of good things, but we'll definitely get you back on. We'll get a recap of the Chicago Marathon. And uh, yeah. I know, Dan, uh, you're headed another direction where you do a whole bunch of things, but we'll get you back on to actually talk about um, your new venture that you're going into and see if we can uh, uh, dive into that because there's a lot of crossover with what we do in, in my industry. Yeah. And so there would be a lot of synergy. So we'll get you back on there for that. But hey, thanks for coming out to the, the show and we'll get you back. All right. I look forward to it. Right. Thanks for having me, my friend.